Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me on this episode is Ben Kaufman, the brains behind Spectre Wallet. We get into that and Multisig. Actually, you listen to Ben explain Multisig to a 10 year old. That's exactly what some of us need. And I really appreciate anybody that uh, interacts with, with my kids and helps them understand Bitcoin because some of the feedback I get, a lot of the feedback I get is that is everybody's favorite part of the show because they get to listen to something explained very, very easily. We then get into uh, Ben's escape, for want of a better word, from Israel and his thoughts about what is going on there with regards to COVID from an undisclosed location in Latin America where he is right now. We did have a few whiz-bang internet problems just by virtue of the fact that he was not on a particularly stable Wi-Fi connection. But um, stick with it. it, it's not too bad. Uh, you'd have certainly heard worse in the past. This episode is of course brought to you by the show sponsors coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. You can start stacking sets there right away and it's a Bitcoin only exchange and they've got a great app. They are driving the cost of buying Bitcoin via the app down to zero on auto buys. Make sure you sign up. Relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash Bitten. Exchange your euros and your Swiss. Get out of that fiat currency and into Satoshis. And of course, across the pond, Swan Bitcoin have you covered. SwanBitcoin.com forward slash Bitten. That will start you off with $10 and you can go and stack with the best Bitcoin team in the biz. Now, shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. You know you can go there and get your hardware wallet, but did you also know you can get a whole bunch of other goodies? If you use the code bitten at checkout, you get 5% discount on everything you buy. So go and check it out. Bitcoin backup cards, the steel wallet so you can stamp your seed into steel, tamper evident bags, it's all there. There's loads of goodies. Go check it out. Shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. I hope you enjoy this episode with Ben. Reach out, say hi, enjoy the rip. Okay, joining us today on the oh. Once Bitten Podcast is Ben Kaufman. Am I saying that right? Kaufman, Kaufman, how do we say it? Yeah, Kaufman. Kaufman. Nice to meet you, mate. We've, we've been setting this up for a while and had to cancel a few times, so it's good to finally connect. Yeah, yeah, great to finally be here. Right, okay. So, uh, sorry, Lauren is here <laughs> yeah. to ask the first question. Uh, as you've seen pre-record, let's see how this goes. What, what you... is multisig? Voila! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a multisig is a type of Bitcoin wallet, a type of Bitcoin address, which means that you need a few signatures out of a certain threshold in order to spend a Bitcoin. So more normally, you have a Bitcoin address. You have a public key that is tied to a private key. The private key is your secret. And if you know the private key, you can spend it. Now, a multi-sig is basically uh, saying that you can uh, have a threshold of, let's say, five, uh, seven, three public keys, whatever. Um, and then you need uh, up to, um, 
let's say, for example, two out of three of the private keys that correspond to these public keys in order to spend from it. So you need, for example, two out of three signatures in order to spend uh, the uh, Bitcoin from a certain address. So that is more or less what a multi-sig means. Does that make kind of sense to you or is it still a little bit uh, confusing? That makes sense. Yeah, it's confusing to many people still, even those people that have been in Bitcoin for a while. And I'm sure, Ben, you, you spend many hours of your time trying to help people understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe more simply, uh, if a normal Bitcoin address is simply you have your private key, your secret, and you can use it to spend your Bitcoins. Uh, with a multi-sig, you have multiple secrets and that you need uh, at least the threshold of them to spend your Bitcoins. So let's say you have five devices uh, and you need three of those devices in order to sign a transaction and spend your coins. So it's like kind of like a, a safety a feature. Wallet, basically. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It, um... If it's, wait, do do you write it down or is it on your computer? So you can write down the, um, the secret for each, uh, basically the initial secret mm -hmm. from which you can generate the keys. Uh, mm -hmm. But you need some kind of a device uh, like a computer to actually sign the transactions. So if you want to actually send, you need some computer. It includes, okay. uh, to sign a transaction, includes some uh, math that is, uh, only possible by a computer or maybe a genius by like Peter Willio. I don't know. Okay. Any uh, any more questions about uh, anything? Uh, the meaning of life. I mean, what what do you want to throw at Ben? <laughs> um, no, I think it's I think it's good now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. What do you want to say? Uh, goodbye. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Cheers, Ben. Have you um, have you ever explained multi-sig to a, a ten-year-old before, or is it mainly adults that you're interacting with? This is the first time. This <laughs> is the first time. It is. It is tough to to get your head around, though. Um, what 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 kind of pulled you in that direction in the first place to start building something out? And actually, for listeners that are just tuning in, why, why don't we um, give you like five minutes to explain? Uh, what Spectre is and, and how you come to build it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Spectre is basically a software that connects to your own Bitcoin Core node. So there is Bitcoin Core that is your own node. It verifies the entire Bitcoin blockchain uh, and it makes sure that your coins are actually yours, that your transactions are real and valid. Um, and then you can use it basically, Bitcoin Core also has uh, a wallet functionality. So it has some kind of uh, wallet interface that you can use to um, basically use Bitcoin. But the wallet interface that it provides is very much basic. It's very minimal, I would say. Uh, so Spectre, what it does, it connects to Bitcoin Core and it takes advantage of this wallet functionality with, and, uh, with a separate interface that Spectre provides you. Uh, and it basically just helps you integrate more easily certain features like uh, multi-sig uh, and, for example, also hardware wallets integration um, and all sorts of that stuff. So stuff that is um, not really in the Bitcoin Core GUI that is still quite difficult to do with Bitcoin Core itself, Spectre helps you do. Who do you think 
should be using multi-sig? I mean, is it absolutely everybody or do you think uh, it's one of these things that you're going to come to eventually? How do you, how do you look at it from, from mm-hmm. your point of view? Yeah, I don't think everybody needs multi-sig. I think if you have like uh, a small amount of, of your savings or if you just have a small amount of Bitcoin, uh, you probably don't need multi-sig because multi-sig is uh, quite complicated and quite uh, cumbersome and requires some uh, investments in terms of planning and in terms of money. So, for example, I mean, you could, for example, do a multi-sig where all the devices are in your house, but then it kind of a bit defeats the purpose of a multi-sig. So usually you would want the devices that are designers to be geographically distributed. So you'd need to find places, you would need to actually buy those uh, devices, those hardware wallets, or I don't know, whatever signing device that you want. Uh, You would need to generate the seeds for them. Uh, etc. So there's there's quite more work to do for um, for creating a multi-sig uh, properly, um, and it is a bit, a bit more costly and time-consuming. Um, and usually, not for small amounts, you don't really need that type of security. Um, but especially uh, if you want some convenience, if you want to be able to spend your coins quickly. Um, then it doesn't really make sense to have a multi-sig where you need to go to a few places to spend it. Um, but if you have like your life savings or something, then I think it makes a lot of sense to have a multi-sig uh, and be and go to more of the trade-off of security. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, so it's more for like longer-term hodlers, people that are thinking that the the stack that they are uh, adding to or already have is not going to be touched for anywhere between the next five to 20 years, that's when they should start thinking about this kind of legacy planning, uh, if you will, and going down the route of multi-sig. It is possible even less, but it depends on the amount. So if you need to spend a bit more frequently, even once a month or even once a week, but it's a lot of money, like if it's a big exchange or something, then of course for them multi-sig would make a lot of sense, uh, even if they spend every day or every week. Uh, but for you know for individuals probably it makes a big amount. Okay. Now um, the the other thing I think people kind of uh, have trouble with understanding uh, the the multi-sig thing is, as far as I understand it, and please correct me if I'm wrong. You uh, create. Um, a new address on a blockchain to send the existing Bitcoin that you have that you want to put into multi-sig, you send it to that address and then those devices, that's, what, that's the address that they're going to be able to unlock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like a normal Bitcoin address, um, it looks a bit different because the script type is different, but it's, it's a normal Bitcoin address. Um, and the main difference, I would say, is that here the script, uh, you, uh, the script is just containing multiple public keys, basically, compared to a normal Bitcoin script that contains only one public key that corresponds to your secret that is stored securely, hopefully, on some safe device. Right. Okay. All right. So we got the multi-sig questions out of the way. Hopefully that's uh, set people up a little bit better with, uh, with their understanding. The the other thing that you're you're working mm-hmm. on that I've seen is um, 
hardware wallet DIY builds. Let's let's get into that. This is pretty looks pretty fun, and obviously another kind of step in the direction of self sovereignty. What um what kind of made you follow that route? So um, to be correct, uh, this is a project that is by Spectre. Um, I'm part of the, the team at Spectre, but I'm mostly working on the desktop uh, software. So there is the desktop Spectre desktop software, which is the wallet that allows you to do also multi-sig and use hardware wallets and everything like that. And in addition, there is the, um, the other project that is Spectre DIY, which is the hardware wallet and is mostly done by uh, Stepan Snigrev. Um, so this part, um, I did a, a little bit of work on that, but it is almost all of it maintained by Stepan. Um, I think it's a really great project. I think it's really cool and I'm really happy that it's part of Spectre. Um, so basically the, the idea of that project is to allow users to take off the shelf components and build their own auto wallet, which is air gapped, which is secure. Um, optionally, you can even add a secure element. Um, but there is a lot of a lot of ways you can customize it. You can even three uh, D print your own casing for it. There are a few casing options that are available uh, that you can three D print uh, yourself, or even buy it from somebody like uh, Seed Signer um, that is selling them. Uh, and then you, you basically can build your own hardware wallet with much, much lower risk of supply chain attacks or anything like that. Right, cool. Um, I'm just getting a little bit of uh, feedback. I'm not sure if you're wearing earphones. They might be hitting your collar or something. Do you hear me now? Yep, we've got you. Okay, let's see if that's any better. Where, where are you in the world right now? So right now I'm around in uh, Latin America. Um, I'm just right now, since I've been uh, leaving Israel, since uh, all the uh, COVID hysteria that has been going on there, I've been mostly traveling around. Wow. So is Israel home? That's where you grew up? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Israel. When um, and when did you leave? Uh, a few months ago. Wow, man. So, right. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't realize that. So that's you know, I was going to talk to you about um, your your recent tweets on on what's been going on um, with with COVID. You seem to be very up to date and very um, on point with what's been going on. So what I guess you've had a very close look then coming out of Israel. Um, what was the mood like in the country uh, when it when it first started uh, hitting? What what was going on? in the narrative at that point and, and how did it change over time? So around March 2020, uh, there was a bit, at first there was a little skepticism as I think in most of the world, uh, but then there was a lot of hysteria about what was going on in Italy and a lot of uh, hysteria about that. And then uh, basically the prime minister decided like just decided to have a complete lockdown in Israel, like the first one around March, I think. Um, and basically he was just saying that if we don't lock down, we'll have hundreds of thousands of, the, the population of Israel is uh, like around 10 million, I think, 
So he was saying if we don't lock down now, we'll have hundreds of thousands of deaths. Like something is some insane number that he pulled out of. I, I don't even know what stupid, what nonsense he pulled it out from. But, the, you know, we just started generating a lot of hysteria and closed down everything. And at first it was just weird and everybody kind of uh, didn't know how to react. Some mostly complied, but we were just a lot, there was just a lot of confusion. Um, and then they started reopening and pretending it was starting to go over, but then another lockdown and then another like slow reopening, which was reversed for a third lockdown quite quickly. So a lot of the time in the last year and like from a few months ago was in until a few months ago was in lockdowns and now there is the vaccine passport system. Uh, there are still threats of lockdown, but uh, right now they are still delaying that. Um, for now, they're just quite content, I guess, with the vaccine passport system. Even though Israel now, uh, even even though Israel is one of the most vaccinated uh, countries, right now we have the the most cases, daily cases we've ever had. Uh, we basically broke the record of pre-vaccination even. Uh, in daily cases, so there's there's now a lot of hysteria, uh, a lot of uh, propaganda on taking the third vaccine dose and having a vaccine dose every uh, six months, basically. Um, so then the new the vaccine passport system now says it was uh, you know at first it was you have to take the two doses and that's it. Now you have to take the third dose uh, after like six months or passed from your like second dose or something. And then this expires after six months. So every six months you have to take another dose or you are basically locked out of everything. So how's the, how have they implemented then the, the vaccine passport thing? You, you've got to show that you've had the vaccine to just go about your, your daily business. Is, is that what's kind of going on? pretty much it yeah so you need vaccine passport i don't even remember for like bars for restaurants for gyms for um pretty much everything like that so everything that is not really essential considered essential is requiring a vaccine passport now so you have to basically they they just manage to convince the population that this is the only way they will be allowed to go back to work and stuff like that, because otherwise they threatened with a lot of knockdown and all of that shit. Do you, do you think that uh, the reason the, uh, the the uptake has been so high uh, for people to to get the vaccination was the fear of being locked out of of everyday life? Uh, yeah, mostly people are mostly just they don't care any much uh, like much anymore. Uh, they just want to, they just believe that this will actually get them back to normal. So they, because they believe this gives them a chance to get back to normal, they just comply and take it and uh, just do whatever they're told. Did you have any problems leaving then? Or, or were you able to get out before you, you had to prove? Yeah, so, so at right now, uh, for like the first, uh, for a few months around, um, I think until, um, 
around April or March of uh, 2021. Uh, from, I don't know, probably September 2020 or something like that, they required proof of vaccination in order to um, be allowed to leave the country. Um, but then, so a few months, they couldn't leave the country. Uh, I couldn't get on a plane. Uh, but then they uh, basically the Supreme Court uh, reversed it for like at least temporarily. And for now, they didn't return, try to, they didn't attempt to return it. I think eventually they will because the Supreme Court was mostly uh, repealing it due to technicalities and not really uh, essential disagreement on the on this nonsense of not allowing people to leave the country. Uh, of denying this this very very basic right because as far as I remember more on technicalities and uh, bureaucracy and stuff like that that the Supreme Court repealed it uh, and quite I'm quite surprised they didn't return it uh, until now uh, but I do think they will eventually try to return this this application as well um, at some point. Man, that's crazy. Um... What, uh, obviously, your, your family are all still there? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Do you th when do you see yourself going back? Uh, I'm not sure. I might go back to visit at some point. Uh, I mean, I probably should go back to visit at some point. Uh, I'm just worried about getting stuck and, you know, if they return this, um, this uh, requirement for vaccination for travel or require or do another lockdown, then I'm worried about being basically trapped in Israel uh, and not being allowed to get out after I visit the family. So I'm still trying to figure out what time I could travel and be more or less in, in the safe zone, uh, more or less, but I, I don't know yet. It's quite difficult these days. When does this end, mate? Like, you know, it, it's just madness. Uh, I know, I know, but I'm not sure it will end anytime soon in, in Israel, at least, uh, and in a lot of uh, a lot of parts of the world. Uh, I don't see it ending very much, very, very soon. So it's, it's hard to say. I think the madness in most of the world will just uh, become worse because the, the masses are just uh, complying with everything. Uh, most of the the countries, most of the people uh, are just compliant with it, and as long as people remain so compliant and just do whatever they're told, uh, it's it's not gonna end. Have there been any kind of uprisings at all or anything in Israel? Because well, we're starting to see in other countries around the world now people taking to the streets and you know whether they're silent silent um, protests or or marches or you know protests, whatever. They were, they were very small or relatively small protests um, a few months back, but they were very, very uh, brutally crushed by police using force. Uh, and now, not really, as far as I know, not really any protests anymore. And um, no, there is no political opposition to this, uh, to this so there are a lot of stuff politicians in Israel do not agree on um, from all the parties we have like it's not a two-party system we have like a lot of uh, parties and they all have their own agenda and stuff 
but there is not even a single one that is opposing the COVID restrictions and the COVID madness. So every every single one of them basically agrees with it. Which in itself doesn't make any sense, right? Because if as a politician, you always try and you, you, you want to win votes somehow. So you've got to stick your flag in something. So it, it would seem to me that it would be a pretty easy way to differentiate yourself, to sway some swing votes, to try and get some seats in the house. But no, like just blanket, uniform. So they tried. Mm -hmm. In the last elections, they, like, there was some party that tried that but they didn't cross the threshold i think they got maybe one percent of the of the votes and you need like three percent at least uh something around do these numbers maybe even less um of the votes than one percent so they didn't basically get the minimal threshold to get into the uh the israeli parliament the knesset uh but so right now there is basically no no position so what, what you can see is that people don't really care that much. That's really mad. And to, to give you an idea of like the narrative that's being uh, spouted, uh, I mean, you probably see it as much as I do. The only place I really try and catch up with, with these things is, is via Twitter. I, I stay away from mainstream media as much as possible, but they are using Israel as an example uh, of... Um, the vaccine being ineffective because if you've got such a high rate of vaccinations you know 70 percent of the country or whatever and and they're still getting sick with with covid is is that a narrative that's being spoken about uh, at at home as well or is you know so in what, what Israel, are you, you cannot really you cannot really say that the vaccine is ineffective there's no such thing it's just that the vaccine now faded and now you need another vaccine dose Mm -hmm. So it's not that it's ineffective. You just didn't take it hard enough. You just need to take it more times, basically, if it doesn't work. It's never ineffective. It just you didn't take it enough times. So now that you so now you need to take the fair dose, basically, and that will save the world or something. Or as we well know, like the, the business plan of any pharmaceutical company is to make people dependent on long term usage of of specific drugs uh mm -hmm. look at the the opioid crisis around the world you know it's it's a business mm -hmm. plan that's out in the open we know this so is this part of the ultimate plan let's just make sure everybody gets used to taking twice month uh, twice yearly boosters for example of course so here in israel uh, and all over the world basically vaccines there is no really um let's say a competition this is an oligopoly so usually if there was a free market, then you would go with the vaccine. People would go with the vaccine that works the best. But here the government mandates the vaccines and which vaccine you're allowed to take and which one you don't and which one is, you know, will get you in the vaccine passport system and which one doesn't and how many doses and uh, all, all of that basically. And they fund the, the vaccine companies, so they pay for, for the vaccines already. So they choose which vaccines you're allowed to take and they already fund those companies. So they buy directly from them and you know you cannot really compete with, with that with uh, like as, a, as another company, an outside company, if your, your competitors are being basically mandated on, on the population. 
so there is no competition there is no free market on this on these vaccines or anything so of course it's the, in the best interest now of these pharmaceutical companies not to make something that will actually solve the problem but to make it the people more dependent on it and which company has been preferred so far in israel has it been switched around a couple of times or has it been one in particular as far as i know um from from what i uh, as far as i know it's uh, pfizer that is by far the most used and a little bit moderna but if i remember correctly it's only those two i never heard about any other company i think they also will like will acknowledge if you got like vaccinated abroad then they will acknowledge like astrazeneca and maybe another ones uh, but in Israel specifically, what they vaccinate with is only Pfizer and a little bit with Moderna, as far as I know. Never heard about anyone you, uh, who got in Israel uh, a different firm. We're entering into a dangerous world, man. This is just so wrong. Like when the incentives are cash and uh, politically driven, the, the people never win right it's always the people that are going to end up suffering um and so like you, you, we're going to get to a point now where yeah like you said somebody from germany might have got a um uh like a johnson and johnson vaccine or something and need to travel to israel to visit family but they're not going to be allowed in unless they have one of the government approved listed vaccines from like Pfizer or Moderna or something. So, so you're just going to end up being a pincushion. It's just retarded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, I know. <laughs> and, and the craziest and, and... thing is that they will not acknowledge or they hardly acknowledge people that are already immune, not from vaccination, but from previous infection, even though all the studies in Israel are showing that the uh, immunity from, from a previous infection is basically uh, a few times, if not dozens of times, more effective than the vaccine. So the, there is there are studies from from Israel that are showing that, and uh, still the government will acknowledge it less than the vaccine. So you have all about the same as the vaccine. So it's very hard to 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 get this like approval uh, if you have been sick, like abroad or something like that, or not uh, exactly tested at the right time. Uh, and it will be very difficult and you will still need the vaccine eventually, like the third dose now or something like that. So they do not really care about how immune you are. They don't care about the antibodies in your body. Uh, they care that you comply with the vaccine. It's never been about our health, mate. Mm hmm. And exactly. you've just described the exact situation we find ourselves in. I mean, we 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 uh, we got sick with Corona a, a few weeks back. Everybody's 100 percent better now. Like, you know, just um, took some rest mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, got out in the sun whenever we could, forced ourselves to try and exercise, even though we were very fatigued, bad headaches. Um, a couple of the family members lost uh, smell and taste for a couple of days, uh, but otherwise you know, back to normal. It was like having uh, a hangover, I would describe it, like a week-long hangover, where you just didn't want to, you couldn't be bothered to do anything, you know? It was just, you were just tired and, you know, just a bit run down. Obviously, it affects different people in different ways. But now, we have what you've just described, we have this this natural immunity to it now, you know? Like, it's basic biology. Um, 
but still treated like the, the great unwashed. It's like, it just doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't add up. Like it really mm -hmm. doesn't. I know, I know. How much pushback do you get on your tweets? Because I see your tweets and I'm thinking, man, that's going to trigger a lot of people. Have you found yourself in some, uh, some weird rabbit holes out on Twitter when putting out these thoughts? Um, I'm getting quite a bit of push. I'm getting some pushback, I would say. Uh, not like a lot, really, or not as much as I would have expected, but still get some pushback from time to time. Uh, but it's just, I mean, I'm not saying something that is, that I think is so extremely controversial that, you know, that people who are immune from, from, from getting an infection is proved, has proven to be, uh, much, much better than getting a vaccine. I mean, this is very much backed up by studies and by both by studies and by common sense. I mean, this has been known even way before COVID and people seem to like pretend to forget it now. Um, so I've, I've not, uh, I haven't said anything that is insanely controversial and think and getting quite some pushback. Um, but for me, it's, it's fine. I mean, I think it's just important to say that anyway. Yeah, and I noticed this as well that um, you, you've had some concerns recently about uh, losing your Twitter account and you, you've kind of set up a Substack or um, and you've started your newsletter, right? CWT or uh, what's it called? Cl Clown yeah. World? Yeah, I started uh, this newsletter Clown World today um, just both to have some place to write more lengthy uh, posts than a Twitter one uh, and to be prepared to when I might eventually get banned. So you see all these uh, uh, people that talk about COVID and stuff like that. They are a lot, a lot of them are getting banned all the time uh, and suspended from Twitter. So I think it gets suspended uh, eventually. Yeah. And you, you just like that the, is it, is the first article, am I right in thinking uh, it ends when you end it? Yeah. Yeah. So this is the first one that I've uh, released on, on Friday. Uh, it ends when you end it. So that just uh, the first article that, that I've, I've started, which basically talks about how and when we end it. Um, just about how, how to, to handle the, the, the current situation and how to still find a, a way to live more or less uh, free and uh, less with less oppression and less coercion and less uh, basically clown world nonsense. Do you, do you believe we'll get to a point where the people will step up and it ends when you end it like you know like you like you say i've always believed this as well i told my kids you know that they don't want to give you your face back that they want you to wear a mask for the rest of your life it, it ends when you take the mask mm -hmm. off um but that it's just it's <laughs> i still can't believe it's going on it's been so long already what what's your feel mm -hmm. yeah i I think eventually it might people will will uh, will start waking up and, and resisting to it, but I don't think it will be anytime in the soon, like in the next few years. Um, I think there will be plans in South America or Sweden, for example. Uh, so I think 
some places will be less um, authoritarian and less in this mess. But for the rest of the world, the majority of the world, I think it will just get worse and more like Australia or Israel. Man, well, hope. Bitcoin is hope. Let's get on to some Bitcoin talk. How did you find it? What what led you there in the first place? Because you're still a pretty young man, from what I understand, and you don't have to dox your age if you don't want to. But this is something that, uh, that I think you found quite quite early in life. Yeah, so I found it quite early when I was about 16. Um, I just, I was, I left school when I was 14 and started working in software development. Uh, so by the time I found it, I was about two years working uh, as a freelancer, uh, especially in mobile agents. I just, I found it from the, from the technical aspect um, and just started like getting interested, reading about it and came really really interested in it um i also had a lot of problems with with banks uh because of my uh, young age that i started working in um so for young people uh banks give a lot of issues and a lot of trouble uh and just put a lot of restrictions on you so it also helped me like makes me you know you cannot uh, use it for this or in this or that way you left school at 14. That's amazing. Like, how did that happen? You're allowed to do that? Just like, I'm gone? Uh, not really. So there, we, we had to use, like, a lawyer for that. And uh, my my uh, parents were helping me uh, to do that. Uh, without my parents' help, I wouldn't have been able to, to leave school. And then you, you're kind of supposed to... Uh, be uh, on more like a specific schedule with, with school, but I managed to still work on uh, do my my own stuff, my my own stuff, um, and just start working instead and work and uh, do my do software development work. Mate, good on your parents. I, I can't. So when you when did you tell them that right? I'm done with school, and were they straight on board or? Did it take you a few years to to try and bring them around? How, how did that all pan out? Yeah, so I, I've always told them that I don't like school. Like they uh, that I don't like school and I don't find anything like interesting to 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 be there. Um, and it's uh, I when I decided that I want to leave, my father was very supportive. Uh, for my mom, it was at first a bit difficult, but she, she trusted me and she me up um, anyway with it um, for the, the, like more uh, uh, like the the more distant family my grandparents or my um, or my you know um, um, or my cousins or whatever it was more shocking and more uh, hard to accept but I only need the help of my parents to do that and how like you said you needed the the the, uh, the lawyers to get involved did that kind of open your eye to like the legal structure because uh, I, i've seen before you've um you, you've tweeted something like um knowing your rights uh, is essential and mm -hmm. we we aren't taught this at school it, this struck me the other day i went through all of high school without one lesson on the law uh, you could choose i think like um we had in between 
in the UK, it's like GCSE, then A level. I think you could choose an AS or an A level when you were 16 uh, to start looking at law, but never before that. Um, and mm-hmm. never if you didn't actively choose it. And that just got me to thinking like, all right, so if you want to be a lawyer, the opportunity cost of that that original zero to 16 is huge because you know nothing about it. Then you're, you're forced to start learning about it at higher education. You're going to end up $200,000 in debt to become a lawyer. And then you've got to go and enter the marketplace, which is almost you know very, very difficult. You've got to clamber over as many people as you can to make partner or you know make any kind of cash. And there's your incentives. And that's why you end up with so many money grabbing lawyers. <laughs> why why yeah, aren't we taught like that? We, we are not taught private property rights. We're not taught bodily autonomy. We're not taught anything about natural law, like zero. I, I, was it the same in Israel? Yeah, of course. Of course, the, the state will not tell you how to protect yourself from it. Um, of course, they will not teach you that. Um, but if this, this, experience with with lawyers for the first time on on uh getting out of school again this is you're not required to to take a lawyer to to get out of school uh but it improves your chances drastically um and they they know how to handle the system so it knows your rights uh is extremely newsletter that i just read extremely important to to know your rights and to rights and they'll help you with that uh because people can do a lot more than than they think uh usually uh they just need to to assert their their right to do it yeah that's interesting mate that's it i I think we'll probably all be uh digging into law books pretty soon to try and figure out what we are able to do and to to be able to stand up and protect ourselves because no one's going to do it for you and uh unless of course you pay them a lot of money I want to ask you about, uh, we'll try and do two more subjects and then uh, I won't keep you too much longer just in case uh, we, we keep dropping out. But uh, were you were, did, were you able to make it over to the BitBlock, BitBlock Boom conference? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Uh, and yeah, it was really great. I mean, it, it's always great to, to meet Bitcoiners and see that there are people that are still sane and still uh, still can see through the madness. So hanging out with Bitcoiners is usually so, is is really so great, um, and yeah, I was happy to to be able to to go there. Any good stories? Like, what was the uh, what what was your favorite part? Uh, I'm not sure what is uh, what I can or cannot say uh, due to <laughs> you know privacy of, of others, uh, but there were quite a few fun nights uh, over there. Who is the person? that you uh that you met that um you, you most wanted to meet sort of thing that, that you were really hoping to to bump into um there's not a specific one i can say that is like especially just everybody's is really great yeah that definitely seems to be the way we, we were lucky in the fact that we had uh, a conference the same weekend here in france uh, as bitblock boom and uh, it was uh, over in biarritz and met so many plebs uh just a, a proper maxi conference and it was just great to hang out with them and do the barbecues and hang in the restaurants and the bars afterwards. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. All right, man. Well, let's, let's wrap this one up and ask you the, the final question. Uh, and that is if you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? 
Um, yeah, that's, that's a difficult question. Just give someone an or the orange peel. Um, I'm not sure really. Um, I think it has to be someone that, that is one of the people that is more vocal around uh, around COVID right now and about the madness right now. Um, just someone like Chris Kai, I would say, uh, that is, you know, very, very vocal about uh, what is going on right now and being very vocal about people taking their rights. Um, so I think somebody like that, maybe Chris Kai, I'm not sure if he's even orange pill yet or not, but probably him or something, somebody like him. He's He's been asking a few questions and I've seen a lot of Bitcoiners kind of like trying to help him out in the threads and saying, look, my DMs are open. You can ask me anything, especially Francis, because, you know, he's a fellow Canadian. Uh, so I, I'm hoping that he's reached out to some people and uh, is starting to understand. Uh, and what I like about Chris, he's like this, you know, like a muscly gym boy, uh, that like the kind of last person you'd expect to hear the things that are coming out, coming out of his mouth. You know, he, he has a pretty good knowledge of the law, it would seem. And uh, he's he's definitely resonating with the people, so he's doing he's doing some good work. Uh, I'm surprised he's not been banned from Twitter. <laughs> yeah, me too, to be honest. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed, he can um, he can help people see through the madness and um, and lift a lot of Canadians up. All right, brother. Well, it's been great to uh, hang out with you. Um, I hope you managed to hear every question okay. Um, and w wherever you are, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed that things start changing a little bit and you do get that opportunity to, to go back and, and visit your family. Sure, sure. Sorry, I'm uh, just hard for here to get a very good internet connection. Um, but yeah, so I hope, I hope it's good enough. All right, brother. Totally understand. Have a great day. All right. Have a good day and thank you for inviting me. Thank you, mate. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode with ben and if you're not following ben already please make sure you do go follow him he's a full-on bitcoiner and he's got some great insights great tweets coming out to you all about obviously bitcoin but what's going on in his home country i mean this this is a young man that has been forced away from his own country it's incredible that we are at this point and we're having these conversations it happens so damn quickly it's it's it, it it leaves me speechless i mean this is this is just crazy i don't know where it ends and i i i hope fingers crossed uh, ben does get back to see his family soon at some stage i mean guys this is a young man in his 20s this is not cool this is not cool anyway um thanks ben for coming on stay strong brother and keep uh, keep your head down doing what you're doing working on bitcoin and uh, trying to forge a better future for for those of us that are following us behind this journey into the world of bitcoin and learning as much as we can about it thanks for the work that you've done in the past and and uh, you know getting everybody up to speed on multi-sig and designing those tools and uh, all the best man look forward to uh, meeting you in real life one day before I sign off, make sure you go check out the show sponsors, StackSats in the UK. You know who with coinfloor.co.uk, across the pond with swanbitcoin.com, and in 
europewithrelay.ch all forward slash bitten. Hit up Shift Crypto, load up your cart as well. Shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. Get yourself 5% off all purchases. See you soon, guys.